If 2020 has taught us anything, it has taught us to be flexible, to be nimble, to be agile, to be able to pivot whenever it is that the moment calls for it. And so in some ways, it's appropriate that the sermon today is going to embody that. A few days ago, my oldest daughter, Miriam, tested positive for COVID-19. Our family is in quarantine unexpectedly. We are together in the house, which is what we all wanted more of as this year has progressed. And, um, and so going to be delivering the sermon from my living room. Um, we know, all of us know, the seriousness of this pandemic, um, the seriousness of this virus. I am grateful that Miriam's symptoms uh, to date have been relatively mild, uh, certainly fatigue. She's lost her sense of taste and smell. Um, but in the last 24 to 48 hours, we see her improving um, as we stay in quarantine as a family. Uh, none of us, the, th the rest of us, Beth, Hannah, and myself, have begun to show symptoms. And so we are hopeful that we will be coming through this soon and uh, with none of the rest of us testing positive, which we've not at this point. But I think that despite the different setting of this, and this is a whole family enterprise. The girls are upstairs staying quiet. My uh, wife has our dog in a different part of the house trying to keep him quiet, which is going to be miraculous if that can happen for 15 minutes. He has the spiritual gift of barking constantly for no reason. Um, but I think even in this setting, as I've reflected on this message uh, and this kind of change, this kind of pivot, there's something unique that we can pay attention to as we finish this series entitled Jesus is Lord, which we've talked about uh, the first claim of Christians, the first confession of the Christians in the early church was the claim Jesus is Lord to both direct our steps, but also to give us a sense of hope, which, which we all need as we move through. And, and, and is this sense of hope, and even as we move into this very strange 2020 year of holidays and Thanksgiving, I believe that this setting can give us a unique insight into our scripture lesson for today and into the end of this sermon series. So our passage comes from Matthew chapter 26 and is a passage of scripture you'll be familiar with from the words of institution of the church when we celebrate one of our two sacraments, the sacrament of communion, the sacrament of the Eucharist. And even though we're not celebrating communion today, I believe that this is an appropriate scripture passage for us to finish this series in. Matthew 26, starting in verse 20. When it was evening, Jesus took his place with the twelve. And while they were eating, he said, Truly I tell you, one of you will betray me. And they became greatly distressed and began to say to him one after another, Surely not I, Lord. While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to the disciples and said, Take, eat, this is my body. Then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will never again drink of this fruit of the vine until that day when I drink it with you in my Father's kingdom. When they had sung the hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, we pray that you would be with us this day and make your word living waters for which we are all thirsty and from which all of us might drink and be satisfied. We pray this in Christ's name. Amen. I don't know if you've ever had the experience of 
hearing or saying something familiar, but for reasons that change in your life or in your circumstances, you hear them in fresh ways. And that's happened for me with this scripture passage this week. These scriptures from the Gospels that describe the Last Supper, these scripture passages are passages that I memorized in seminary because they form the basis of the words of institution that we in the church say and that pastors say every time we gather for communion. These are words that I've had memorized for years as I've had the opportunity to be a part of of hundreds of of communion uh, services and, and, and liturgies where Jesus gives thanks and says that and takes bread and says, this is my body broken for you, and then takes a cup and says, this cup is a new covenant. I've said these words so many times, but this week I've noticed something different about them that I'd like us to ponder for a second today. What I've noticed is in the middle of this meal, in the middle of this meal where it's clear Jesus knows the struggle of what's happening, is it's clear that this one meal that, that is the holiest moment of the year for the Jewish people, the Passover celebration beginning, as Jesus gathered with his disciples, he had done for years for the Passover. This Passover was different. It was not the same as any of the others. It, he knew what was coming. There was a struggle that he names here, that he would be betrayed. He knows the pain. He knows the loss. He knows the difficulties that are coming as he sits down. That This Passover meal is not like any of the others. And yet in the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the difficulty of that, it says he gives thanks. We say this in every time we celebrate communion. He took bread and after giving thanks for it, he blessed it and he broke it. After giving thanks for the cup, he said, this is the new covenant. Now, this might be just seem like a religious ritual. You just say a blessing before your meal. And if you're Jesus, you definitely need to do that. But what if it's not? I mean, you and I are about to enter into a meal we celebrate once a year And yet this year at Thanksgiving, with all that's happening with the pandemic, with all that's taking place in the world, it'll look different from any we've ever ever celebrated before. And there is struggle in that, and there is loss in that, and there is uncertainty in all that's taking place in our world. And I wonder if we can learn something from how Jesus gives thanks, particularly in times like this. I mean, we see this in our faith. We see that an attitude of gratitude is a choice. It's a spiritual discipline. And this is important as people of faith to understand that Thanksgiving is not the result of circumstances. Yes, this year is different and 2020 has been a a difficult and and trying year for all of us in, in our different ways. And yet, it's not that we can give thanks less this year. We have to understand that Thanksgiving is not the result of things going well. Some years you can give thanks better than others. We have to remember that Thanksgiving is always a choice that we make. And Jesus chooses this here as you and I are invited to choose in this year. But what we also see is that when you look at the study of gratitude and Thanksgiving, that when we choose it in times of, of particularly times of struggle, there is a unique perspective we gain on Thanksgiving that can't be found in any other times. One person who studied this is Dr. Robert Emmons, who is at the University of California at Davis. He says this, When times are good, people take prosperity for granted and begin to believe that they are invulnerable. In times of uncertainty, though, people realize how powerless they are to control their own destiny. If you begin to see that everything you have, everything you have counted on may be taken away, it becomes much harder to take it for granted. When you realize that all that you have is impermanent, 
when you realize that you're not in control of so much of life, it gives you a different perspective, hopefully not to hoard and to just be greedy and grab out of fear all that we can, but to have a sense of thanksgiving for we realize the one who provided it for us. I wonder at that last Passover meal that Jesus celebrated with his disciples, I wonder if we see him here as he's looking around, if he had a, a unique sense of what he was really grateful for, if he had a unique sense of seeing Peter and James and John and the other disciples, but as he knew the struggle that was coming, I wonder if he was more acutely aware of the simple blessings of their friendship, if he was reminded, particularly in this meal, of how much he loved them. I wonder if he was aware in this particular meal of the power of a life of purpose and what he was living for and of the love of God in this moment. I wonder if there was a particular emphasis that the gospel writers understood of saying that he gave thanks in the midst of this meal. I wonder, as Dr. Robert Emmons says here, if there was a, a way that the struggle he was in the midst of and knew was coming gave him a particular focus of giving thanks. And I wonder what that might mean this year as we sit around a table to give thanks if we might do the same in our own lives. This year is going to look different and there are disappointments and losses. I know that this is true for you. I know that this is true for us. We had plans for Thanksgiving traditions. We had people, family we were going to be with. None of them will be at our table this Thanksgiving. We miss that. We long for the day when things uh, move out of a COVID-19 world into something where we can enjoy some freedoms again that we weren't able to celebrate this year, of being with people without the reservations that we now have. But I wonder if these struggles might focus us on what we have to be grateful for. We've been doing this in, in our house this year. We do this every year at Thanksgiving. We, uh, my wife is, is wondrous in so much, including at this time of year. And we have a tradition in our family of having a Thanksgiving list. Uh, four columns uh, on a piece of paper that is on our fridge, which I can see it's six feet from me right now. And it has all 30 days in November. And in each column, it's one of our columns, each of the four of us in our family. And every day from November 1st to the 30th, we all write up something we are grateful for that day. And I've noticed for me that part of what I'm grateful for in my list are the moments of levity in the midst of 2020. I've been grateful for the time we got out of town. I've been grateful for uh, books that allowed us to kind of uh, not focus on just the difficulties of what are around us. As COVID has come into our household, our list has changed, particularly the list of Miriam. Miriam's list, the last thing that she has written on there is taste buds. She's grateful for her taste buds which is something that I'm quite confident none of us have ever written on our list in all the years we've been doing this. You don't recognize it until it's gone, until you go through the struggle of tasting food, of the simplicity of sitting down and enjoying a good meal. I wonder if we can give thanks this year, not despite the difficulties and trials of 2020, but I wonder if we can give thanks because the struggles and the trials can reveal to us the things that we have been given that we can be grateful for that almost every other year we just drive on by and ignore. What would that mean for you? 
What would that mean for me if some of how God redeems this year? As we say in our communion liturgy that God makes all things new, if part of how he will make things new in us and around us and in our hearts this year is to remind us of the simple gifts that we have been given, that in the midst of our disappointments and struggles, we can sit with and be grateful. May we take this challenge to reflect in this way in this year and to give thanks for all that God has done. Amen.